if you're thinking, I would love to adopt, I want a baby, but I just don't have $40,000 for an agency, or I can't fly to Uzbekistan and bribe a judge, because we all know those stories, this would be another opportunity. Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. I just want to say thank you to our editor and writer, Jeremy Enns, and to our board operator, Tracy Rock. Thank you guys for making this show happen every single week. We are so honored to work with you and to create these stories and get them out there so that people can learn about adoption. Today, I have my husband joining us. Hi, Noah. Hi. Thank you for joining us today. It's great to be here. Okay, so our story comes to us from Texas. Now, we've done interviews with adoptive parents, adoptees, and birth parents, and we've done a few embryo adoption stories. But today... We have our first donor story. They are an embryo adoption donor family. And Noah joins us just so that he can ask a bunch of questions. Because I'm sure if you're not familiar with embryo adoption, this is a great show for you to learn and to grow about this whole topic that is new to us. Not new to everybody, but new maybe to the adoption community. And so today we're going to learn a ton about it. Katie Klein is the co-founder of National Registry for Adoption, and today her and her husband, Scott, are here to share their story. Hi, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Hello. Scott, how are you? I'm very awesome, thanks. Are you excited to share this story? Yes, it's going to be awesome. Okay, let's start at the very beginning of your journey to become parents. We did not even consider wanting children for a long time when we were married, and so when we thought about having children, we were a bit older, and we considered going into a local foster to adopt or regular adoption, and our eyes were open to the challenges. We have friends who have been through those things. We knew it was going to be a long and arduous process, so we agreed that we'd we weren't maybe quite ready for kids, but we knew the adoption process was going to be very long. So we went ahead and said, okay, we're going to get started. And I was out to lunch with a friend, and I was telling her about what I was going to do to get ready to start the long adoption process. And she said, you know, I would be your surrogate, and I would do it today. And I talk a lot. And I was, for the first time in my life, speechless. And so I said, oh, you know, I had never considered this a possibility. And so I went home and I talked to Scott about it. And he can tell you a bit more about his reaction. But our initial reaction was, well, there's so many babies that need to be adopted. If we have our own kids, you know, are we going to be leaving a child who needs a family without a family? And as your listeners know on Adoption Now that, there's a lot of families for every child who can be adopted, and there's a lot of struggles involved in that story. And so we said, hey, this is a gift from God. We're going to go down this road. What happened next? Yeah. I mean, you guys were ready to do surrogacy? 
I would not say we were right away. <laughs> no, it was it was a bit of a shock. As Katie said, we were seriously contemplating adoption. We had a number of friends who went through that. We had friends who went through foster care as well and saw kids getting taken out of their homes that they wish they could have adopted. And so that gave us some pause to do that as well. And we had the conversation. We prayed about it and mulled it over. And, uh, yeah, we thought this is not something that we actively sought out it was presented to us. <laughs> We're like, this must be the way to go. <laughs> so what happened next? Well, we decided to do IVF. And the first time, there were just two embryos that were made it to transfer day. And I thought, this is just the perfect blessing. And neither of them took. And so it was just very devastating. Because in my mind, I was thinking, oh, we only have two embryos. We're going to use two embryos. This is perfect. And so we did a second round of IVF, and we implanted two embryos, and we got boy and girl twins. But this round of IVF had resulted in four embryos. So we had two twins on the way, and then we had two embryos in storage. And we knew that, in our mind, we saw those embryos as life. We saw the two embryos implanted become our son and daughter, And so we knew that we couldn't go with the typical answers of just discarding them or donating them to science. And then some people choose just to leave them frozen year after year after year. So we knew we needed to come up with a plan for our two preborn kids. Okay, when were you thinking about that? Not right away when the babies were in utero, correct? No, we waited till they were born. We wanted to make sure, all right, we have healthy kids. They went, they were, went through the birthing process. So we waited for quite a bit of time, but we knew after a while, all right, our, we've got twins. This is awesome. But our family is complete because they were a handful. Right. <laughs> and we're like, two is plenty. <laughs> we, we, we're good with two. So we need to come up with something else to do with these extra embryos. I have so many questions about your surrogate, but I mean, this is not what the show is about, but how was her pregnancy? And she's having twins. She was a person who we had been in church with and friends with. And she had seen a TV show special on, I guess, some celebrity couple who used a surrogate. And she said, you know, I said to my husband, hey, if I could provide that for a family, I'd love to. And so it really came from her, her openness and her willingness to give and her pregnancy, I think, was very good up until the end. She, um, we went in for a checkup at 25 weeks, and the 26 weeks, she was sent to the hospital on hospitalized bed rest. So it was four brutal weeks for her in the hospital uh, before our twins were born at 31 weeks and spent another six weeks in the NICU. Wow. So, um, She felt okay, but it it was hard for her because she had a small child at home who needed to be taken care of. And, you know, here she was stuck in the hospital for four solid weeks, hoping to make it to the end of the pregnancy. You know, it would have been much longer, ideally, but the kids were healthy and it was very stressful for them to be in the NICU. But compared to other NICU baby stories, you know, they were just born too small and not able to keep breathing. And so they came home when their bodies were ready. What's your relationship like with her? She made a point, which is different from some other surrogates I know of. She didn't want to be overly close to the children. She thought that would be hard on her emotionally. 
And since they were going to the NICU, she was never in a situation where she would see them right after birth. And, for example, she didn't come to their first-year birthday party because she just wanted to have some space. So we're friends, but um, another of my friends has had uh, her cousin be her surrogate. And, for example, the cousin's going to be called auntie. You know, their kids are going to play together. It's just um, It just depends on the person and how much emotional space they need. That's just so interesting to me because listening to your relationship with a surrogate For me, because I haven't experienced that, I'm thinking, how would that be? I mean, what would you say to her? Thank you so much. You know, all of that just seems so foreign to me. But if I really step back and think about it, that's how a lot of people feel about adoption in general. When they hear that they're going to be adopting a baby from someone, what is that relationship going to be like? What is open adoption? You know, all these things for some of our listeners, it's so new and it's scary. But I like what you said. Every person's story is different. And so for your friend, it was different with her surrogate. It was different with you guys. I mean, just jumping into it and taking it day by day and trusting that you're going to work it out and you're going to have open communication through that process. Is that your advice or do you have any other advice for a family? I would say as we discuss more about embryo donation and adoption, that's a clear benefit of embryo adoption is that you know the baby will be yours. And you can set the level of interaction with the donor family to an open relationship, a semi-open relationship, or a closed relationship. And so you're not committed to having the donor family be your auntie and uncle to your children. And you're not committed to having to worry about a future relationship. You discuss that all beforehand. Yeah, I think before you even start going down the road, you set out clear expectations of what you want in the relationship. Is it going to be open? Is it going to be semi-open? Is it going to be closed? Before you start getting into it and get too emotionally attached, ask around, you know, get other people's feedback on what their experiences are and then make your own informed decision as to how you want the relationship to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have twins and then you have yeah. these two embryos that you're not sure what to do with. I knew fairly early on that we didn't want to have any more children. Uh, Twins was very difficult for us. We run our own small businesses. Like, there's no maternity leave. There's no, you know, oh, I'll just sit and hold the babies. You know, there's always another email coming in. And so I, with my good friend, Karis Johnson, she was somebody who had done the foster to adopt and had a bad experience and had tried to adopt children, and some successful and some not. And she was talking about how she wanted to find donor embryos, but that it was so hard. And I wanted to find a waiting family, as we call them. And it was hard because for people wanting to adopt embryos at the time, you just could go to an agency. Or she read mom blogs who were talking about that they had extra embryos that didn't know what to do with them. And she emailed them out of the blue. So she and I have been friends for a long time. And my husband, Scott, is an amazing web designer. So we decided to create the National Registry for Adoption, which is NRFA, and it's kind of like the match.com of the embryo donation and adoption world. You can create a profile as a donor. You can create a profile as a waiting family. Talk to one another privately on the website and find your own perfect match. Okay, so you created all of this before you became a donor family. 
Yes, because we actually donated at NRFA, which you can get to by prebornkids.com. And Scott built a website before the twins were born and didn't finish it till after the twins were born. And so Karis had come to us with this idea. We said, oh, well, we do have extra embryos and we can help other families. And so we were one of the first couples to donate at the National Registry for Adoption. And we found a great couple who lives in the next state. And we think they're the perfect fit. Wow. You guys are very planned out. I mean, just to create something and then use your own resource through that is awesome. But Scott, were you always on board with thinking about donating your embryos to another family? Well, given the three choices of donating them to science, that wasn't an option in my book. And then flushing them, was I think there's getting rid of them, that wasn't an option either. So the third choice is donating them to another family. And so that was what I was on board for. Is it a hard process to come to that? Yeah, it was. I mean, I still consider them my kids, even though they're technically not. I mean, they're not. <laughs> Genetically, they are my DNA. And from that standpoint, I consider them, all right, these are my other set of twins, which I've never seen pictures of them because I chose not to. Probably will never meet them in life, but I know they're out there and they're healthy. And Kitty gives me feedback on them. She keeps up with the, the family that's given birth to these little boys. So I hear a little bit every now and then, but for me, I just want them to be separate. Okay, so you find this family. What is your interaction like? Did you interview them? What were you looking for? Well, I did the most of the family searching. (laughs) And I would consult with Scott from time to time on couples that I thought were a good fit. And on the National Registry for Adoption, people put up like their hobbies and their interests and their religious beliefs. And so, for example, early on, I found a couple that I thought would be a great fit, but they live kind of close. I was like, well, it's not too close. And then I was telling my friend about this family and she's like, oh my goodness, I think I know them. I was in a wedding with her and I was like, what? And so that was too close for comfort for me. So I was like, okay, we're going to have to look maybe the next state over. And when you are putting down your hobbies and your interests, you find more interesting ways to connect with people. For example, the family I picked, she loves to throw parties, and I love to throw parties, too. And her husband works at a bank, and my husband's a computer guy, and they had a little dog, and we have a little dog, you know. And so it was just fun to see those connections. She was a Christian family. We're a Christian family. And so I just feel like when you have a lot to know about the person and you can read their story and see what they're interested in and see their pictures, It gives you more ways to feel emotionally connected. It's not like you're just picking someone who's 5'7", with brown hair, with green eyes, from a state. You can actually get to know the person. Then we chatted via email. Looking back, I think I was very demanding in those emails. But she was patient with me, and they turned out to be a great fit. And they have a great family support system. And they have two little boys now. And they're just happy and healthy and and so loved. I get this question a lot when I talk about embryo adoption. People say, well, after you give birth, can't the family try to get that child back? Absolutely not. And that is one of the great benefits of embryo adoption is that there's no waiting period. You 
get the embryos by legal contract before they're implanted in mom-to-be. So mom-to-be's name can be on the birth certificate because it's her child. And what's interesting about embryo law is that the whole United States and many other countries of the world, like Canada and Australia, they view embryos as human tissue. So you can't buy and sell, just like you couldn't buy and sell a kidney. But it is your property. So if I donate to my waiting family, it's like I have given them a product. We sign that I no longer have ownership of the product, and then they are completely in charge of that. And that protects donor families, too. Like, waiting families don't have to worry that their child will be taken from them. But also, as a donor parent, for example, if my donated embryos had been born, let's say, blind or some other kind of hereditary problem, Mm. I can't be sued or be responsible to help pay for that child's care because technically it's not my child anymore. So the law, while it sounds weird to call embryos just human tissues and a product, it really protects both hmm. sides of the family. That's interesting. Is there a specific time frame on that, like at three months or six months? Or is, it, is there a specific time when they sign the paperwork? As soon as you sign away, I had to sign away all my rights for my embryos while they were still at my clinic and give them to the waiting family. And that was a hard signature. And sometimes it's a very hard signature for donors. Mm -hmm. But that happened before the embryos were implanted. So before they even were growing in her womb, they were hers completely. What would you say to a family that is listening right now? They've done IVF and they've had children, but now have embryos they are not going to use, but they're in storage. Well, first of all, I would say most people who have done IVF, probably over 95%, don't even know that donation is an option. And the few that have might have been told about it from their clinic and think closed anonymous donation is the only way to go where they're not allowed to pick their families or know anything about the children. And so I would say go to prebornkids.com. Check out our site and our information in our blogs. And I also run a Facebook group for donors uh, called Embryo Donation Donors Only. And it's normal to be sad. It's normal to experience a roller coaster of emotions. But there's also, when you pursue this path, the chance of having long-lasting peace and happiness, knowing that you're not just keeping, you know, two, four, six, twelve embryos on ice year after year you can give them a chance at life we have to take a break when we come back we're going to talk more about embryo adoption you're listening to adoption now i'm april fallon we'll be right back hi this is april fallon the host of adoption now telling your adoption story Our website is done. We would love for you to visit us at adoption-now.com. You can always find us on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe to Adoption Now podcast on iTunes. And remember, listen, like, and review. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today, we have Noah joining us. Noah, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So we have Katie Klein and her husband, Scott, on, and they are an embryo adoption donor family. And they're talking about their journey and having two children through surrogacy and having embryos 
that they were not going to use and really what their options were. I think that is a really important part of embryo adoption. We talk about it a lot, don't we, Noah? We talk about it with other families and we get all these questions. You know, Noah and I are adoptive parents. We've gone through seven placements, but we've only finalized on four. And all seven have been very challenging, very expensive. We never knew if we were going to get the baby. Even when we brought the baby home, we didn't know if that baby was staying with us. And that's a hard journey for a lot of people. And learning about embryo adoption is so exciting to me because I'm thinking women that can carry a baby have this amazing opportunity to experience adoption, but actually carry a child. And I think it's a miracle and amazing. And one of the questions that we get when we tell everybody, embryo adoption is amazing. They always want to know, number one, can the child be taken away? And you said, no, Katie, it can't be. But they also want to know what that's like. What is it like played over time? How much do I have the other family involved? And what are my options as far as can I do close? Can I do open? And you're kind of speaking to that today, Katie and Scott. Tell us more about your journey to this decision. So thank you for asking about how we emotionally came to this part of our journey. Um, We had found a family and we discussed if we were really ready to commit. And we prayed about it, Scott and I talked about what kind of roles we wanted. I was much more open to knowing that the children were born and seeing photos and texting with the new mom and dad. And Scott said he was just, you know, he did not want to be forced to view photos. He did not want to be forced to meet. He didn't want to know the baby's names. And so that was very important that we emotionally hash out what kind of information would be beneficial for us going forward and what might make us sad or regretful. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I know they're not mine. They're legally not mine. It's not like I gave them up, but genetically I feel, yeah, I've got a little piece of these kids in my DNA, but we're kind of representative of a partly open adoption because Katie has interaction with the parents and partly closed because I've never even seen a picture of the kids. I wanted to know that they're born. I wanted to know that they're healthy and that they're doing well. And that's the extent of the knowledge I have. That was just my emotional state. I just want to keep that separate from my lovely kids that I have here. Was that something you decided right away or was that during the process of all of this? I think it was right away. I mean, I knew probably as soon as we made the decision and we were going through that process. Again, you get the three choices. Uh, donate the science, flush them down the toilet or donate them. It's kind of a fourth choice is you just kick the can. All right, I'm not going to deal with this this year. I'm not going to deal with it next year. And eventually you have to make that decision unless Mm -hmm. you just pass away from the earth. And then you're just giving the decision to somebody else who inherits those embryos and have to make a decision on your behalf, which is obviously an option too. It's more expensive to get to play for those storage fees for however long it's going to be. So for me, knowing, all right, I'm going to choose, and I've really got a great opportunity here. I can donate these embryos and... They can be born, and that's like the ultimate gift to another family for them to have their own kids. Do your twins know that there are other twins out there? Our twins just turned four years old. Oh, they're um, little. So we, we have not broached the subject, but we have put it in our contract that if the children want to meet in the future, that they'll be able to. And I think Scott and I are more 
maybe an odd choice being semi-opened. A lot of people that I know are open donation. And for example, my friend Karis, she has an embryo donor family and they've been on vacation together. Other people want to be called auntie and uncle. So I don't know how long I'm going to wait. I don't really know the mental capacity at what age would be appropriate, but our kids will know that they have some quote-unquote cousins out there one day. And if they ever want to meet, that would be fine. And I feel like some donor concern, like, oh, are these kids going to feel like you abandoned them? Mm. And I would just say, well, we definitely didn't abandon you. We chose this family who loves you. We couldn't have you in our family. We just couldn't deal with it. And so we gave you a chance at life, and we picked the best that we could, and you've been loved. And that's all that we could hope for. I wish that we had known this option on our journey. We may not have chosen it, but I just wish we would have been educated on it. Because I think that it's, well, I've said a million times, and I get more excited about embryo adoption than anything else. And I love adoption, traditional adoption as well. But this is so amazing to me. And when I'm talking to somebody who thinks I'm crazy, because they're like, what is an embryo adoption? It's just so foreign to people. And I say what you keep saying, Scott, and what I hear you saying is there wasn't much of an option for us. I mean, I'm not going to just throw our babies away. We're not going to give them to science. We're not going to store them in a freezer. We gave them life. When I talk to people and I say, these are their options, which one would you choose? That's when people go, oh, oh, I kind of get it. Okay, talk to me more about this. People, including me. Yeah, including my husband, Noah. Because when we first started talking about it, he's like, I don't know. I just, it's almost like your brain wants to explode, right? You're carrying someone else's embryo. Why? Wait, for them? No, for us. It's our adoption. Wait a second. So his process was very slow. So I had to like really sell him on the idea, you know? So I feel like now I want to sell everybody on the idea. So I'm pro. Well, let me give you a few more selling points yes. if you don't mind. I would love it. You know, traditional adoption and foreign adoption can be very expensive. And like you say, you might receive a placement but not receive the baby. Embryo adoption is an opportunity to get pregnant and experience pregnancy, eat healthy, drink water, be in control of what's going into that baby. And two, it's much less expensive. Uh, granted, it's not a guaranteed baby, but the contracts, NRFA offers one for $350. All the medication you have to do is the medication for a frozen embryo transfer. So you might be looking at less than $5,000 to do an adoption and a transfer of an embryo or two, and you can adopt as many embryos as you need. And so not only is embryo adoption a more secure way of adoption, but it's typically less expensive. You have a chance to be pregnant and experience pregnancy. And if you're thinking, I would love to adopt, I want a baby, but I just don't have $40,000 for an agency, or I can't fly to Uzbekistan and bribe a judge because we, we all know those stories. This would be another opportunity. So some people say, how does that work with my own DNA, right? Especially when you're getting into different ethnicities. Can I carry an African-American baby? Can I carry a Hispanic baby as a Caucasian mother? How does that work? Well, the baby is entirely its own genetics because it's 
a sperm and an egg that's already been growing. And so the baby's genetics are uniquely its genetics, and you can have any kind of baby you would like. I would say that Caucasian embryos are more available just generally because there are more Caucasians who do IVF. But finding mixed-race babies, African-American babies, Latino babies, is definitely possible. And you can look for people who share your same interests and hobbies and your religious backgrounds as well. So you as a mom-to-be can really have a hand in picking a child. If you want one that looks like you, you can find those families that look like you. Or if you want a baby that doesn't look like you and maybe matches your other adopted children, you can go that route too. That's why I like prebornkids.com with just the matching setup. You get to be in control of who you talk to. And hopefully they'll love you and want to donate to you as well. So you picked a family that was not in your own state. How did they get those embryos? Oh, yeah, this is great. Um, FedEx. <laughs> this is Seriously? How it works. <laughs> FedEx? <laughs> they ship it from the doctor's office here where we're located, and they do all the freezing, have the ice packs in it, and then it goes via the carrier uh, overnight to wherever the storage facility is that it's being shipped to. What if I don't want them shipped? Can I fly? You can definitely fly, and in fact, I didn't want to ship our embryos because my friend had had a bad experience shipping embryos, and so I actually requested the couple come to my clinic because they were about a four-hour drive away. So she came to the clinic once, met the doctor, you know, started her paperwork. Then she went back to her home clinic and did the blood tests and the medications, and then she came back the night before um, her transfer day. We went out for coffee. And then she had the transfer the next day. They decided they wanted to really give it the best effort that they stayed in a hotel room. And she did a day or two of bed rest before they drove home, which wasn't necessary, but she was committed. And uh, that's how it worked out. So they can get your body ready for that transfer. I mean, that's one of the questions that I asked. What does it take to get your body ready? And can you just do it with your natural cycle? I would say an IVF clinic really cares about their success rate, and so they would not want you to do a natural cycle. They would just make sure that your hormones are on the right level, that your lining is the right thickness, and the exact day that the you know, embryos are like, for example, day five, you know, they want to make sure that that goes in just at the right time. So you do take us some medications and you do go in for screenings, like a check your lining because they want to be successful. So I wouldn't say there was no doctors out there who would let you do it naturally, but compared to a full round of IVF, it's very minimal medication. So I have a question for you about your story, kind of going back a little bit, but you had this, you know, set thought process. I'm not going to have any really open communication with this family. When did you find out that there were going to be boys? And when that happened, was there something in you that kind of thought, oh, maybe, maybe I should. I think well, I'd ask Katie to keep me updated on the process. Cause I want to know whether the pregnancy was successful or not after we had gone through our first round and we had one pregnancy that didn't work out. So I just wanted to be aware of that. And then Finding out there, they were both boys. Yeah, that was probably sad for a short period of time, but that quickly turned into, hey, you know, I'm really happy for these people. I mean, we took 
something that we had. We gave them a gift. They're able to experience the birthing process, and they got exactly what they wanted. Maybe they didn't want to, but they ended up with two little boys, and you know, it's just awesome thinking about that. You know, I know the joy that Kate and I had when our kids were born, and now that's a gift that we were able to give to this other couple, and they could experience it too. So that kind of minimizes all the sadness that you might have or whatever brief period of time. But it was nothing that I dwelled on, and I'm still happy for them. And, uh, That's cool. How do you become a waiting family? It is not difficult. You just go to prebornkids.com, and you start Scott's amazing profile wizard. And it just asks you different questions. And the great thing about our site is you can put in as much or as little information as you like. You can write a novel about yourself. You can write a few lines. You can put down everything you do on, on a weekend or you can put nothing and uh, you can create a profile so that donors can look at your family and see if they want to contact you. And then you can reach out to donors through our website. It's all private. And hopefully they will look at your profile and get back to you. Do I need a home study? You do not. You can do one if you have already done the paperwork, like we'll, we can show that on your profile. But it's more about if the donor family would ask for that. And I would say that's very rare that you have a background check or home study. Most donors will stalk your Facebook page, message you, look at your Facebook pictures, email back and forth to try to find some connection and some common ground. It's not regulated by the state in the sense of you have to have some stranger come into your home and evaluate it for future potential babies. It's more about building a relationship with a donor so that you can have trust. Do you need an attorney? You don't need a personal attorney. You just need a contract. You can go to a family attorney if you're comfortable with someone who is near you. We offer a template on our site that is completely legal you go through and you read the contract and you say, well, here I want it to say semi-opened and here I want it to mm-hmm. say okay. the kids will need in the future. Then we make those changes and then both sides of the donation and adoption will sign. Now for the donors that will include, I hereby irrevocably give away my responsibilities for these and give complete ownership to this family, which like I said, can be kind of a hard document to sign. But you'll both get those notarized and um, send the completed thing back to us. And then at that point, that contract is what you take into your clinic or call the other clinic and say, hey, these are my embryos now. I want them shipped to my clinic. Or, hey, I'm going to come down to your clinic and I want to do a frozen embryo transfer at that point. What does the woman need to have in order to go forward? And this is a strange question, I know, but some women want to know what their bodies have to have. Obviously a working uterus, but if they haven't been able to get pregnant before, what would change if they were to adopt an embryo? Well, several people that I know who've had successful embryo adoptions are people that had, for example, like trisomy babies that was a genetic error. Another one, her eggs, though she was a young person, were not good quality and they tried several rounds of IVF, it never worked. Another person I know, you know, she could get pregnant for a while, but for some reason her body would always reject her babies. But with a donated embryo, it was successful. And like I said, I can't promise that embryo adoption will always be successful because you're already starting with a group of women struggling with infertility. But 
You can know the grade of your embryos. Is it a grade A? Is it a grade B? Is it a three-day? Is it a five-day? And on our website, prebornkids.com, we have a blog that explains all of that, although I'm sure your listeners are probably familiar with those numbers. And so you're not guaranteed to get pregnant, but since you you can have a high-quality embryo and that your doctor can work with you to get everything right with your hormones and your body, it gives you a good chance for success. And what are you looking for? You are looking for donor families and adoptive families? Yes, there are over 600,000 frozen embryos in the United States. And, of course, not all of those are available to be donated because, again, over 95% of our people don't even know that they can donate to a family that they choose. And we need waiting families. We have currently 90 donor families on our site, and we need waiting families to come and start chatting with them and also spreading the word. If you've been in adoption or if you've been struggled with infertility, we just ask that you would go to prebornkids.com and then we're going to do slash adoption now, KC for Katie Klein. And on that website, we're going to give your listeners a way to share on social media this story. They can download a PDF that explains embryo donation and adoption or they can start creating their profile today. But getting the word out would be great, even if this doesn't apply to you. If you would tell a few people about embryo donation and adoption, you could be really reaching into the heart of someone who needs to know about this. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't know that your friend is dying because she has nine embryos in storage and doesn't know what to do with them. Or maybe a waiting family, you don't know they're struggling with infertility. And, hey, they might want to adopt an embryo, this new way to adopt that could be less stressful. So we just need your listeners' help in getting the word out to people. And come to prebornkids.com slash adoption now, KC, and get that PDF if you'd like or start signing up. Thank you so much for being on the show. One last question. I want you to do a little promo for Karis, who is your partner, and she's going to come on the show next week. But she is the adoptive family, correct? Yes, she has done all kinds of adoptions. She has been through more adoptions than I've ever heard of. So she knows it all, and she will be great in telling you the different things that she's done and experienced and how their family has become a family of a husband and wife and now three kids, one through domestic adoption, one through embryo adoption, and another agency adoption. So she's done it all, and I think she'll be very interesting for your listeners. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Scott, thank you for your time. Thank you. Noah, thank you for joining the show. I know you love to be on here. And how do you feel about embryo adoption now? I have to say my, I think there's more opportunity. I'm impressed. First of all, I didn't realize the need. I didn't realize how many people are willing and ready. What did you, how many people did you say you have on your website? 90? Yes. Yeah, I'm, I am much more open than when I started. I will say that. Wow. What's going to happen? This is so exciting. Thank you too. Thanks. Thanks for having us on your show. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Once again, it's prebornkids.com forward slash Adoption Now KC. Thank you for joining us on Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week.